Hi, and thank you for tuning in to the Campus Rush Podcast. We know that this episode today is going to bless your life and take your vision to the next level. We hope that you can share it, subscribe, and be a part of what God is doing right here at Carleton University, around the world, at Campus Rush. Speak to me. I see a, I see a thick cloud of glory just resting on this building right now. From the left... All over to, hey, it's good to see you. Go see, hi, good to see you. From the left, all over this place, I see a thick cloud of glory. That's my resting here. I want you guys to understand something, that it is never, ever enough to come into the presence of God without an expectation. You will spiritually rob yourself If you continually come into the presence of God, but you lack expectation for what God can do. I almost feel as though when we don't come with an expectation into the house of the Lord, we are doubting the sovereignty of God. When we don't come with an expectation into the house of the Lord, what we're telling God is, we think and we know that you can do this, this, and this, but you can't do that one. Many times the reason why we don't have expectations when we come into the presence of God is because religion has failed us. You have built yourself into the mold that is, I go to church and I come back, but I never, ever, ever go into the presence of God believing God for him to do something he's never done before, something that is supernatural. But I implore you tonight, there is a heart burning inside of me to tell you tonight with coals of fire on my lips to tell you, you need an expectation for the ascension that God is bringing you to. Yes. I got two, three people who believe with me tonight. Do I have any more that believe with me tonight? I'm still looking for a couple who believe with me tonight. I'm still looking for a few more people who believe with me tonight. Why would you ever go somewhere or take steps towards something without an adequate expectation for where you're going. Do you ever enter into your car and never know where you're going? Do you ever go onto the bus and never know where you're going? Do you ever step out of your house and vagabond and not know where you're going? You have a destination. There is a place. Someone shout, there is a place. Shout, there is a place. Shout it again. Say, there is a place. There is a place that God shifts his people. There is a place that God brings his people. So every time you enter into the house of the Lord, you have to understand that God is here getting ready to give you a GPS, a plan for the place he's taking you. Every time you enter into Zion, it's an opportunity for you to come face to face with your maker so that he can tell you where he's taking you. A lot of us have been just at a standstill in our walks with God because we haven't raised our expectation to believe that God can actually give us something for our future. Do you believe that your future is important? Let me see by raising hands. You believe your future is important. Wow, every single hand believes their future is important. Do you know the amount of people that I counsel that don't know where they're going in life? I don't know what I want to do with my life. I don't know what, you know, I'm called to do my purpose. I think for a season that's necessary because I feel as though it's in that season of discovery. 
where you're discovering what God wants to do for you and with you. And if that's where you are, then that's all right. But for some of us, we're in a place where we can't afford to not know where we're going anymore. For some of us, time is not on our side right now. And we don't have time to be playing around not knowing where God is taking us. This is the time where if, we, if you're going to clap, clap. If you're going to participate, participate. If you want to be here, be here. But this is the time. Pastor Oba, if we want to actually ascend. And if you didn't hear the message last week. Were you blessed last week by the message? I need you to go back last week. And I need you to go for now. This is my mountain. You understand I'm a very visual preacher. I'm an illustrative preacher. If you understand, you'll know that when we are going from one level to the next. We spoke last week of the king coming down and meeting us where we are. We spoke about the king that doesn't run. But left, he left his throne and his house to come down for you. You're grateful for the king that came down for you. My God, the king of the hill. Today, I'm preaching to you about the mood at the hill. The mood at the hill. Do you know there is a mood for where God is taking you? There is a mood. It's so interesting because in this day and age, I go on Instagram, I go on Twitter, and I see so many people post stuff and they're like, mood. And for the longest time, I didn't even, like, it's not that, like, I'm outdated. Or, no, I just didn't, like, I don't care for a lot of this stuff. So I didn't really know what that meant. I was like, what is that? So, you know, I went to go and, you know, <laughs> talk to my, my cultural advisor. Reginald, my little brother. And, you know, <laughs> he knows everything culture. And so I, I went to ask him, I said, like, bro, what does this mean? He's like, it's like, and he told me, he's like, you know, it's when you, you, you admire where somebody is in their life and the way they're acting, and you call that a mood. Or a place where somebody is, if they're dancing and you like that energy, you call it a mood. And I said, oh, really? Okay, so I sent him a picture. I'm like, so if I posted this and I said mood, would it make sense? He's like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's a mood. And then that's when God began to minister to me and tell me there was a at the hill. You know, there was a way you're meant to behave at the hill. There was a way you're meant to talk at the hill. There's a way you're meant to behave at the hill. There's a place and, and at the hill where you're meant to act and, and rest also at the hill. And so God brings our attention to a man who had clean hands and pure heart. Uh, many call him the father of our faith. I'm going to quiz you. What's his name? There you go. Everybody say Abraham. Abraham. Some people went to Sunday school. Praise the Lord. Say Abraham. Abraham. And people call him the father of faith. And we hear of him from Genesis 12. And that's where we began to hear of him and where he was born. And we begin to hear of all the great things that he's doing and how God begins to use him from place to place and how God gives him a promise. And we know about the promise that God gave him. I'm going to make you, you know, father of many nations. Your name is Abraham right now, but you're going to be Abraham, which means your name is going to change. And, you know, he begins to talk on that and, and we begin to see the shift of his life. And Abraham, or Abraham at the time, gets to this point in his life where he's frustrated with the plan of God. He's frustrated with the plan of God. Remember, I started off by telling you that some of us can't afford to not know where God wants to take us for the season that we're in right now. We need to know where God wants to take us. Why would you ever ascend when you don't know where God is taking you? I'm ascending. You're shouting, I receive. I'm ascending. I receive. Ascending to where? Where are you going? Oh, can I talk to you? Where are you going? Ascending to where? It's a new year. It's a new me. It's a new level. It's a new me. New hair, new me. New digits, new me. New shoes, new me. Where are you going? Where are you going? Ascending to where? We'll call him. Where are you going? You need to know where you're going. Everybody needs to know where they're going in life. And so, 
the funny thing about this is that the beginning in Genesis 12, God says, Abraham, get up and go to a land that I am showing you. Okay. Get up and go to a place that you don't know of, but I know of. So just follow my voice because there's no GPS over there. So follow my voice and I will tell you where I'm taking you. So at each point in time, I'll tell you how close you're getting to where I've called you to get to. So back in those days, he gets up and he leaves his father and his mother's house. He takes his wife, takes everything, takes his nephew, and he begins to walk. And he's going to this place that he doesn't even know where he's going, but yet he received a word from God. If you're taking notes, it's the first thing. We're talking about the mood of the hill. First thing you have to understand, in order to even get to the hill, you have to have a word from God. Has God spoken to you about the level that you're going to? You want to open up a business. Has he told you to open the business? You're ready to get married. Has he told you it's your season? You're, you're ready to move to Toronto because Ottawa's boring. Has he told you? Have you received the word of God? Have you received the word of the Lord for your life for 2020? Do you know where he's taking you? Have you received the word? Abraham receives a word in the moment, Genesis 12, 1. There it is. Leave your, in your native country, your relatives, your fathers, your family. Go to the land that I will show you. Ab you know what I love about Abraham? Is that when God speaks to him, he, he accompanies the word with number two, a will. He doesn't even question where he's going. He says, God, if it is you, and I know it's you, then I won't question where you're taking me. Because God, if you're the one that brought me to the beginning of the hill, you'll be the one to take me to the top of the hill. Before we talk about the mood, you have to know how to get to the hill. So he gets up and he goes to this hill. Number one, he has a word. Someone shout a word. Number two, he has a will. Shout will. He has a will. He has the willpower to do what God has told him to do. You see, the will empowers the word. A lot of us have the word, but we don't have the will. So God will give you the word. Do this. And he'll say, wow, I heard a prophet tell me this. I heard a word of prophecy. But you do not turn that word into a will. Part of turning it into the will is praying the will of God into the word. Okay. So what happens is this. Our father... Who art in hallowed be thy, thy kingdom, come thy, thy will be done. On earth as in, so what you do is, once you receive a word from God, then you have to accompany it with the will to do it. But the will to do a thing will only come when you begin to pray God's will into your will. So it's a melange of wills. The word and then your will, which becomes God's will, which brings you to the point of ascension. Okay, so now we're going to dig into this because Abraham goes through so much. I'm not going to get into it. He goes into so much stuff. I mean, to the point whereby he begins to question the promise that he's received from the Lord. And God told him that you're going to be a father of many nations. Yet his wife is old and he is old. And he says, God, how are you going to do this? How are you going to make me a father of many nations? And then he says, don't worry, I will do this. If you go out and you can count the stars, as many as your eyes can see, that's how many descendants that I will give you. He basically says, I'm giving you a blank check. If you can put your imagination to it, you will receive it. Can I prophesy to you? Every time you walk outside and see the stars, remember God's promise. 
you receive a blank check from Jehovah. God says you will become everything I've told you to become. But people don't understand this, that everybody believes the verse, and which is true, in Philippians 4, 13, which says what? I can do all things through. Come on, one more time. I can do all things through. I feel like it's every athlete's like Insta bio description. <laughs> I can do all things. And I'm throwing no shade. I mean, maybe a little. But, you know, I can do all things. All things through Christ. That's a beautiful scripture. But if you go up a few verses, you'll see Paul speaking to the Philippian church. And as you're speaking to the church in Philippi, he begins to say that I've also learned how to, uh, to, how to flourish in, in much and how to flourish with nothing. He says, I've known how to abound and to abase. He's basically saying, I know what it's like to do all things when I have nothing. And I know what it's like to do all things when I have everything. So everybody takes this scripture and they butcher it. I can do all things, all things. They think that they can only do all things when times are good. But what about when you're in the valley? Oh, good God. What about when you have nothing? What about when your fridge is empty? What about when you have no money for the bus? What about when you're sneaking in the bus from the back because you have no money to pay at the front? What about when you're failing in school? What about when your bank account is zero? Then can you do all things? That's what God is saying. I can do all things. We need to be able to have a proper interpretation of scripture. It's called hermeneutics. Understand the scriptures. Don't take it out of context. I always tell Pastor Oba, I said, Pastor Oba, you're a young preacher that's coming up. Never stretch the scriptures. Preach the book. Preach what's inside the book. If the book says you can do all things, you can do all things. But don't take the book at what the line says. Look at it from the whole context. Go before, go after. Look at the historical context. Look at the biographical context. Look at when the scripture was written. That will give you an understanding of why the Bible is saying that. The only reason why it says I can do all things is because he's saying that. I've learned how to abound and abase. I learned how to succeed with much and how to succeed with nothing. And through my experience, my whole culmination and my conclusion is that I can do all things through Christ. You know what that means? That's good news for you. That means that when you're at the bottom and your voice is cracking and your spirit is cracked and your soul is cracked, you can do all things. Can I preach good news to you? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Let me tell you something. The strength doesn't come out. At the top you need strength to get to the top the strength comes in the valley the strength comes at the bottom and you build the strength for that oh my god who am i preaching to here who am i preaching to here is it you it's your word isn't it it's your word okay okay he said he receives it let it be according to your faith so abraham has been through so much he begins to doubt god's word over his life because he's like how Am I going to possibly have a child at this point with my wife? She's basically barren. God has closed her womb. God has closed her womb for an appointed time, yet God has closed her womb. So you know what happens is Sarah, or Sarai at the time, begins to take things into her own hands. And she says, well, since I can't have a child, take my servant Hagar and have a child with her. So at least there will be a child in the house. And what she does is she begins to take things into her human and her fleshly instinct and, and her natural self and creates a natural solution. 
But yet understand there's still the heavenly supernatural promise that is hanging over it. So what happens is through the whole process, and this is my introduction, I don't think I'll actually get to the, the real message. And through it all, you understand that it gets to a point in the scripture where God begins to open up the womb of Abraham's wife and they have a son by the name of Isaac. Now understand this, the moment they have the son Isaac, their son by Hagar, which his name is Ishmael, also begins to grow. And Sarah becomes intimidated because she's now saying, well, how will they separate the inheritance? She says, because we, we, I don't want my son that I've labored for, the son that I love so much that God gave to me in my old age, to, to be sharing the inheritance with some other, other child. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure that my husband sends them away. So even though Sarah's the one that came up with the plan, Sarah's the one that turned around to say, okay, well, I don't need my, my earthly plan because God has supplied my heavenly plan. Let me tell you something. Don't even allow it to get to that point. Amen. Just wait for God's heavenly plan. Because if you don't wait for God's heavenly plan, you'll have to explain something that you actually built. You'll have to explain it. When it goes sour, you'll have to now explain it. You'll have to put language to something that's breaking down, but it's something you've created. You created this mess, Sarah, so why are you trying to send somebody away when you're the one that created the problem? You created the problem, yet now you're trying to send away the solution to the problem. Because now the real solution has happened. Wait for God's divine choice. Somebody give God a shout and a praise right there. So, just to hurry on up, he gets to a point when he gets to Beersheba. I'm just going to hurry this up and, and end it here. He gets to a point of Beersheba where God begins to ask him of something. He begins to ask him of something costly. You know, when you're talking about giving, the tithe is something that we do as covenant. It's something that we are obligated to do. The 10% is something that we do out of our gross. But the offering is something that God can decide to ask you to give anything at any time, any amount, anything. God can ask you to give your car away as an offering. God can ask you to give uh, you know, your, your house away as an offering. He can say, come and sow your car keys on the all. He can tell you to do anything. But the tithe is something that we're all obligated to honor. Now, is that clear? Now understand this. So Abraham is chilling one day, and God begins to speak to him in Genesis 22, verse 2. And we're going to read this together. As he's chilling, God begins to speak to him these very words, and I want us to read it. One, two, three, and go. Mm -hmm. Let's stop right there. Didn't I just tell you that he had two sons? He had Isaac, and he had Ishmael. Ishmael was the older, Isaac was the second born. Isaac was the son of promise. Ishmael was the son of, of, of human interaction. <laughs> he, he's the one that put it. You know, Sarah was the one that put it together. There's a human plan. But this is the divine plan now. So God recognizes it as, I told you that I would give you a son. So even though you have two, I only recognize the one at this moment. So he says, take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac. Come on, let's read it together. One, two, three, and go. Whom you love. Uh-huh. Next verse, let's go. One, two, three, and go. Uh 
we're gonna finish it off here. One, two, three, and go. Stay here with the. My God. Let's go, verses six, verse six. One, two, three, and go. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, good God, while he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them walked on together. Verse seven. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, but the boy said, My God. Don't you just love the word of God? How crazy is it that the one that is the offering is asking where the offering is? There's some offerings, even the people around you can't know the amount that you're about to give. There's some sacrifices. Your family can't even know this is sacrifices that you're making. There are some things that you do that is from a place of revelation that not everybody will understand it with. But you still have to do it. So David, would you come for a second? You're going to be Isaac for this. Let him be my son for this. No. Isaac. Hi, Isaac. Hey, Dad. How you doing? So today your mom is asked, you know, your mom is sleeping, um, but I want us to go and sacrifice in the mountain, okay? So we're going to go, is that all right? All right, okay. So I'm going to bring two servants. Seg, would you come on my left and right, would you come on my right? I'm bringing two servants, all right? You're going to saddle up. Get the wood. Get the wood. Get, get the wood. Don't forget the wood. Okay. All right. Got the wood. Okay. Okay. Make sure you get everything. Get the phone too. Yeah, you need that. We need GPS in case we get lost. Can you go on the other side? Awesome. Okay. So, so we're going to go. Uh, I've saddled up everything, and I have, I have the knives as well. And uh, don't worry, God will provide. Okay, let's go. All right. So they were walking, and we're walking, and now we're acting out the scripture. We're walking, and as they're walking, you know what? Abraham begins to say, all right, I'm going to go a little further with my son to do some, some, some cool stuff at the top of the mountain. So just, just fall back a little bit, all right? But, but stay here because I'll need you guys. All right? Is that cool? So now I need you to take this wood that you have. And I want you to put it on the shoulder right now. I know it's not as heavy as you thought it'd be, but, you know, just hold it. And, and I'm going to take the knife. Thank you so much for this knife. It's, it was a GPS. It became a knife. No. So, <laughs> so let's walk to the mountain. So now they're walking to the mountain. And this is our ascension. So we're walking to the mountain now. And, and now the sun begins to say, Dad, I see that there is the wood, I see the fire, but where is the lamb? Could you go to that verse for me? Go to that verse that's talking about the wood and the fire. Okay, so Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them walked together, verse 7, Isaac turned to the father and said, Father, yes, my son. We have the fire and the wood, but where is the sheep and the burnt offering? Verse 8. I need everybody to read these three words right here. All right, one, two, three, and go. I need you to say it until it enters your system. One, two, three, go. How will I get the mortgage? How will I graduate school? 
how will I do the impossible? How will I enter the mountain? How will I do what God wants me to do? How will I get married? God will. How will I go to the next level? How will I get that job? How will I go to PhD? I said, God will provide. God will provide. He said, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. They both walked on together. Verse 9. Verse 9. Let's go on. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an, offer, an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. We're about to get there, okay? But right before we get there, I need you to understand something. Anytime you appear before the Lord, you can never appear before the Lord empty-handed. Isn't that the word of God? You can never appear before the Lord empty-handed. So if we go back to our anchor scripture for this two-part series, you understand that the scripture reads, Who shall ascend until the hill of the Lord. It means that God is at the top of the hill because he's the king of the hill, isn't he? He's the king of the hill, so he's on top of the hill. So you can never appear before the Lord empty-handed on top of the hill. So there they go to sacrifice on top of the hill, yet still there is no offering, but Abraham knows the son is the offering. So I want you to just understand something, that you can never ascend without coming with an offering. As you're going up from one level to the next level, keep in mind that you're going there to sacrifice on top of the mountain. So as they get to the top of the mountain, Abraham knows where the sacrifice is coming from, but the son doesn't know, son, I'm going to need you to lay down right here. And I'm sure there was a fight between it, but he was saying, can you just lay down? I just want to see how the sheep would lie down. I just want to see how it would look. So just lie down so that I can see something. Uh, you're, you're on the wood, son. Thank you so much. And then he's going to put the wood on him. And he's saying, I just want to test something out real quick. And, and, and as the son is probably saying, Dad, what are you doing? There Abraham begins to take the knife. And, and let's, let's, let's go to verses 10 right there. Verse 10. Verse 10. And Abraham picked the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Could you get to that point where God asked you to sacrifice the very thing he gave you as a gift? You worked for it. Can you sacrifice it? God, you gave me the job. But yeah, he's telling you to sacrifice the job. Woo. This is hitting me. He gave you the breakthrough. Can you sacrifice the breakthrough? He gave you the next level open door. Can you sacrifice it on the altar? Can you go to that level? Can you sacrifice it at that level? Can you take that job God gave you, you work for, you sweat for? Can you do that? You know, the funny thing about it is that he could have taken Ishmael. But God doesn't need something that you designed. He wants something that he gave you. You know why God wants the offering that he gave you? He wants the offering that he gave you because he knows you prayed to him to get it. Prayer is labor. So he wants the reward of your labor. He wants to know that you worked for it, but yet still you would sacrifice it for me. I gave you the promise, now I'm trying to take away the promise. There is one thing I want you to take from this whole analogy. That God is looking for your mood on top of the hill. He's looking for how would you behave when you get to the place God told you to. How would you behave when he gives you the breakthrough he's given you. What will be your mood when you get here because there's a way to act on top of the hill. And let me tell you what that way is. The way that you act when you get to the place God has, got, has, God has taken you to and you're about to sacrifice is an attitude that you need to acquire. This attitude you need to acquire is God, if you've given it to me, I don't mind giving it back to you. Do you know 
what this level of attitude does? What it does is it cuts and pierces your heart to the point whereby you have no attachment to anything. If God wants to trust you with a new level, he wants to know if you can sacrifice everything you have at your now level. So he'll bring you to a point where you're about to sacrifice the very thing that you prayed for, that you fasted for, that you went all around the world looking for, that you waited years and years and years and years for, but yet still God is not looking only for you to kill the thing. He wants to see the heart with which you're killing the thing, the heart by which you're sacrificing. So as he's about to sacrifice, and I'm ending this right here, verse 11, let's just finish this up and then we'll... We'll go. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from the heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am, verse, uh, uh, verse 12. Don't lay hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know. Can you read that from now I know? One, two, three, and go. For now. Uh-huh. That's all God wants to see. All he's trying to get by this whole exercise, and all he's trying to get by you sacrificing is to see that would you still fear God? Would you still fear him? Would you still serve him? Would you still worship him? When he gives you that breakthrough and you're, way, and you're on your way of ascending to the top of the hill, once you get to the hill, would you still serve him? When you get there, would you still sacrifice the thing that God gave you? And in these type of sermons, you won't get any claps. You know why? Because God is asking you for the very thing that he gave you. These are not the sermons uh, that, that, that a lot of preachers like preaching. Because they'll say that this is not the sermon that gets crowd reaction. But I don't preach for crowd reaction. No. I preach the word of God. I preach what God is telling me to preach. And today, you know what God told me to preach? God told me to preach this. He said that there's a thing that you have to understand. I'll give you a word. Once I give you a word, you then need what? After I give you a word, you need a will. One more time. After I give you a word, you need a One more time. After God gives you a word, you need a so God will give you the word. Then you have to wake up in the morning to say, you know what? This is what God is telling me to do. This becomes my will. As I'm on my will, sometimes people like witnesses. But there's a time where you don't need witnesses for what God is going to do. So you tell your witnesses to stop because there's a thing they can't see. So he didn't even tell his wife. He couldn't bring his servants. He needed the help to get there. But there's a point where your help has to now become the help of the Lord. So... He leaves his servants behind. He goes to the top. He receives a word. Then he activates his will. And now he has to move to the next level on top of the mountain. So he gets the word, activates the will. And now he's walking with his son. Walking with his son. Once he gets to the top of the, uh, once he gets to the bottom of the hill, he begins to ascend with the offering. He's ascending with the offering. He doesn't know where the offering is coming from. But this is called faith. He didn't know what was going to happen. He knew he had to kill his son. The one he, can you imagine how that must feel like? To sacrifice your son? So he gets to the top of the hill. <laughs> and now he has to sacrifice what he prayed for. I, know, I don't know about you. I'm just being real. I don't know if I would trust God again. This is, maybe this is not you. This is just me. God, you told me that you're going to make me a father of many nations. I now have to send away my son Ishmael. Now the son that I prayed for, the son that you gave me, the son that you said is now going to be the one that's going to now have all the 12 tribes of Israel you want me to kill. Why would I trust you again? But that's how I know that God wasn't really just after the sacrifice. He was more after the heart. Will you do it? 
Will you sacrifice? Oof. Sorry about that, son. I was just practicing something. God told me not to, so. Uh, you're good to go. We're going to go home. Please don't tell your mom this happened. All right, All right. thank you, servants. I'll, I'll take a taxi back. So, this is exactly what the Lord today. Let's be on our feet. We're done. Let's be on our feet. It's the word of the Lord today. This is the word of the Lord today. I just feel the, I feel such a presence of God here. How do you sacrifice something God gave you? He gave it to you as a gift. Now he's asking you to sacrifice it more hard. What has God been talking to you about sacrificing that you're being resistant? What has God been talking to you about giving up? What has the Lord been speaking to you about sacrifice on top of the mountain? For some of you, it's your service to God. He's been asking you, listen, I need more of you in this time. For, for some of you, it's foregoing earthly pleasures. For some of us in this room, it may be sacrificing the social status. For some of us, it may, be, it, it may be a variety of things. I don't know what it is for you, but I know in this room, there was one person that God sent this word for tonight. I know in this room that there was one individual that God sent me here for, specifically to tell them this message. And although they're ascending, understand, firstly, they must know where they're going, receive a word from God, have the will to move there. When they get there, they must sacrifice the very thing that God gave them. Right where you are in this moment, I want you to begin to search your heart. There may be areas in your heart right now, areas in your life right now, that you know God has been speaking to you about, about sacrifice. They're ascending the hill. Don't forget when you get there, you can never appear to the Lord empty handed. There's a sacrifice needed. There was a sacrifice needed. Open up your mouth, if you will, all over this room. And let's begin to just pull on God a little. I don't know what that looks like for you today. I don't know what that looks like for you today. you to begin to pray to God in this moment. There was a level of sacrifice that is needed for this new level you're going into. Don't ever forget, as you're ascending to the new level, you're ascending. You can never ascend without a new sacrifice. <laughs> More is going to be demanded of you as you go up the hill. More is going to be demanded of you as you enter this 2020. Don't think that you can enter this new level without sacrificing a new thing. Right where you are. Let's begin to create altars of worship. And let's begin to open up our mouths all over this great hall as we begin to petition heaven. You may be watching at home. And I really feel that someone's watching online right now and God has been stirring your heart. God has been tugging on your heart. As in, even as you've been watching this broadcast today, God has been tugging on your heart. He's been speaking to you. 
telling you, give it up, give it up, give it up, give it up. There are areas that you have to give up. There are areas that you have to sacrifice. There's areas you got to discipline yourself in right now. Woo, I feel God. something so costly. He's really been speaking to you in this season. Like, yeah, really been speaking to you in this season. Like I said, it's not everybody, but you know who you are. God has been speaking to you specifically, specifically about sacrificing in this season. Yes. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to our podcast. We hope that God blessed you through this word, and we hope that you can be a partner, subscribe, and share with your friends. We can't wait to see you next time. God bless you.